Welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. How do we know which choices are ours to make? How do we know the best choices to make? Join me as my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here. I'm Debbie Hazelton on the Inside Track. This week, my friend Nancy Pendegraff from FIA, singer, accompanist, accomplished pianist, musical arranger, shining her light as a spiritual teacher, as a way shower in this often crazy world. I somehow think we met on a shuttle or something, and I heard your name, and I knew that you were involved with uh, Guide Dog School, and I think you had gone to Southeastern, and you had also gone to the foundation, and I was looking to go to the foundation, so I'm thinking it was in maybe, when did I get Annie? 06? Okay. I I saw you at showcases a little bit, briefly. You had programs anyway Mm -hmm. about... Mm -hmm metaphysical kinds of things, spirituality. And and I used to think, you know, what a neat thing to get acquainted with you. But Lynn... Well, it's been this year you all wanted to be on Affiliates in Action. Yes. That was great. I was so happy to hear from her and then you. Now we talk almost every day. That's right. (laughs) And I like that. A fine connection here. I know it. You know what this show is about, and I happen to think that you are already somebody because of your spirituality and because of your love of music and arts and because of your caring and kindness and love of people. I happen to think of you as someone who lives on the inside track like all the time. I mean, you just are there. (laughs) It's a joyful way to live. And thinking about doing this program with you, (laughs) and you know, I think I told you that I was speaking at church this morning. Uh Uh-huh. And I talked about purpose. But I got to thinking about, in my life, things that had impacted my purpose. And I thought, well, okay, of course, when Mama ends your game, that's a heck of a purpose for fulfillment. And things that brought me what I would call mega growth bring, oh, a powerful joyfulness in doing that. I've always thought of my music. I've thought of myself as facilitating people in their joy and enjoyment of music. Oh, is that ever for sure? Because at the showcase, you are, in my opinion, you are known as someone who 
just in a matter of a phone conversation or somebody shows up at rehearsal and they say, well, I know, you know, this song and they sing a few bars and there you are making sure it's in a good key for them and just doing all this by ear at the fly of a moment. The next and final event is going to be called Sing That Swing, which is an arrangement by Nancy Pendergraf by a group called Eight Dot Braille. <laughs> Minus one dysfunctional cell. Jazz is, of course, one of my very favorite kinds of music, and the Duke and Count Basie are two of my favorite ones to listen to. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Do what, 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 do what. It don't mean a thing. All you got to do is sing. Do what, 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 do what. Makes no difference if it's sweet or hot. Just take that rhythm and give it all you got. It don't bother a thing if it ain't got that swing. Do what, 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 do what. Do it, go on. Makes no difference if it's sweet or hot. for sure is that most people that know me and I guess I would concur think that I'm an extrovert and I am outgoing but man it drives me crazy if I can't have some quiet time to myself. Well it's an interesting sort of myth about what makes an extrovert and an introvert and it really has to do with not how outgoing are you but where do you find your inner sense of strength, your inner what they call locus of control? Where do you find your your balance? Do you go in and seek your own answers or, you know, your own peace? Or do you go outside to do that? And I see that as a circular thing, because yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I've got friends. Well, you should certainly know that yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With whom I talk yeah. about things that concern me or things sure. that I'm exploring. And that's a big part of. It's not an either or. I mean, a way I'm, of information. I'm, yeah, I'm an introvert in a lot of ways. There are introverts who are, who are, you know, here, there, and everywhere, but they know they need their own space. I'm more introverted than extroverted. At Christmas, for example, everything's doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just maddening not to have some regrouping and quiet time. I say that for an example because it's, it's radical and it's pervasive just everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's one. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure there are other, other. Some people will say, oh, I don't have time to meditate. And I say, I don't have time not to meditate. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Different things renew us. But yeah. sometimes learning a new piece. Mm-hmm. A new piece of music? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good for you. And I'm going to think that sometimes, like, making a cake mm-hmm. can be renewing. You know, it's yeah. um, all kinds of creativity can put you in a totally different place one of the things that i would love for you to share with us if you feel like it is what happened or how did you come to find your own spirituality because it's not mainstream would you agree oh yeah i would agree yeah and so (laughs) and so how did you come to that? That's fascinating to me. I went first to a church called St. Thomas Episcopal Church. And, oh, this was right as I was coming out of, well, I just moved over to Huntsville, and I didn't really have any Contacts just hadn't established my community yet. And they were wonderful. They did all kinds of exploring, you know, a balance between the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. And they did um, all kinds of encouragement to help you, help one to explore in ways that we could grow you know and then and I I went to graduate school and I was pretty much well okay it was a school community and so I had some built-in community but that summer everybody went on interns and I did my internship at um, what was then 108 years ago, right? So, uh, uh, Arkansas Enterprises for the Blind, it it, it was in the 70s. And so, all of the people that I knew left. And I was by, in a way, pretty much by myself doing my thing. Mm -hmm. And so, I was forced into this um, situation where that I had to just get in touch with my 
own authenticity. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it felt like dying just about while I was going through it until I got through it. What was it that was so hard? What was so painful? That I didn't have my lifelong friends there. Ah, so and I didn't. Yeah, and I, I didn't have. I, I just, um, I had to do my things that I was doing. The, uh, and then when I got home, I was it was just me there. Mm-hmm. And even part of that time, Roland went to mm-hmm. my Your folks. Son. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And uh, he went to visit my folks, and whoa, it was well, it was such it was a yeah. gift because if you ever get through that. Mm-hmm. It's it's a wonderful thing, and then you know and enjoy your own company. I can remember being very lonely lots and lots of times. And Jason talked about that a couple of weeks ago about how how there was there was some time where he was extremely lonely, but how it really helped. So in that time, you found more of your own way of what making peace with yourself. Yeah, of enjoying my own company. Yeah. And then one Christmas, Roland decided that he didn't want to, you know, leave mom and daddy. And mm-hmm. I always had church jobs. I mean, just yeah, through the years. Lots of music to play. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that's what musicians do. Mm-hmm. So then I had Christmas by myself. Well, the first time that I did that, man. I was just crying, and no, it was bad news. You know, it Mm. hurt. But I learned to do things that I love to do to make that day mine. None of my family cares a fig about listening to choirs and Christmas music Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. That's not one of their things, you know. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Yeah. And... For example, on New Year's Day, I love to listen to the Vienna uh, Philharmonics oh, concert, yeah. and I like the freedom to do it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I give over when I've got people and try to have it going on and my family or friends going on, too. But I know the gift of the alone time and how that, in fact... You can be fulfilled mm-hmm. by yourself, oh, and it's a good, wonderful. good thing. Well, you know, I think that's that says so much to your credit, because you know you you did your a lot of your day work was for many years as a were, what were you a rehab teacher? I was a rehab teacher, and mm-hmm. that's another aspect of what's been. A really fulfilling life is that I love to be able to work with people and teach them Braille, and then it's just a delight of mine. It was was a delight of mine to see them then uh, access library services and you know get themselves mm-hmm. Braille books, you know, and and get themselves maybe to be. Well, now, this was before computers, okay, but still, uh, then they would be the calling committee or the calling person uh, They and have their Braille list and do their phone thing. 
What's beautiful too, though, is there are a lot of people who go into rehab teaching or special ed, and they might get those skills, hopefully, you know, hopefully well enough. I've seen some who who struggled to read Braille with their eyes and, you know, they were somehow in that role and maybe because nobody else would be. And and then there were, you know, certainly good people along the way. But what I like is that with it came a person who worked to learn to love herself and to find her spirit. And how many of the people that you dealt with in that job needed you to wear that other hat too oh yeah one of the just mundane in a way but really good things is like when i'd be working with people and they'd lose something and they'd holler for somebody that could see to come Mm -hmm. now understand me i've had sighted people to help me find things but i tell them look don't invalidate the fact that you can look. Now, there's blind looking and there's sighted looking. Now, what I call blind looking is when you check, you know, square inch by square inch, mm-hmm. systematically checking around. Mm-hmm. I've had sighted people come and look around. I don't see it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And I would poke my little hands in there and maybe... A sheet of paper was covering it. Mm-hmm. They didn't indeed see it, mm-hmm. right. the object that we were looking for. Yep. And could they look more thoroughly? Well, yes. And sometimes something could be a fourth of an mm-hmm. inch away from you, and it might as well be in China. Yeah. You know, because you haven't connected with it yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I understand that. But what I wanted my people when I worked with them to understand is that our systematic looking for things touching the surfaces and things is a very valid technique for hunting things. Well, and what I like is it sounds like you encouraged them to find the possibility you didn't shame them or rub their noses in it. What's the matter with you? Don't be lazy. You encourage them to find more of their potential. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Well, you know, I really believe that when we learn things, we that that can be a gift to ourselves. And the mm-hmm. things that work best for me are certainly things that are given me in positive ways rather than for example in weight loss lord i never could do things like put a pig on the refrigerator or downgrade myself because i slipped for something that was a goal of mine no you just don't if it doesn't happen that time you regroup and you do it again and loving if you can like yourself you're just much likelier to succeed. And it's a self-improvement rather than a bashing session. Absolutely. And it also, I think, gives you a tremendous amount of empathy and capacity to be there and tune into other people. Yeah. I hear a lot of that in you and many of the things that we talk about. Just a tremendous amount of 
love and concern and empathy and kindness that you have for others. And I try to have people to understand things like, you know, they'll say, well, I'm always having to ask people to do things. Mm-hmm. And then join the human race. That's we right. all do. We all do. We all do. Mm-hmm. And people that don't think they do, well, they've got a big sack of deception yeah. going on. <laughs> I promise. Yep. So don't worry about that you ask for help. Mm-hmm. Be sure that you give help when your time comes. Right. And this is not potatoes for beans. This is if you help where you can, then you understand that we all need help and we're all deserving of help when we need it that's right it's a trusting in a grand sense isn't it it's a it's not expecting that same person to give back in that exact no. same way it's trusting a bigger process yes exactly that's mm-hmm. it how did you move from learning to like and love you to your own spirituality because i'm sure you were raised more around the mainstream weren't you i was Mm -hmm. and (laughs) there can be some well i experienced for example when i did get that divorce you know i never was judgmental about people Mm -hmm. that were divorced or that were well, I don't believe I was overall judgmental, but boy, I was, I gave me the pure devil about it. Oh, and, yeah. mm-hmm. and, you know, but, but what I believe is you can holler God is love all you want to, but if you can't love you, mm-hmm. you're not going to be given very much love. Yeah. yeah. I think that's and true. I think it's very likely that that's a circular thing Mm -hmm. and that it might not be a formula that I first learned to love others by loving me I'm not sure that it necessarily works that way Mm -hmm. it worked because sometimes because someone gave you love you found self-acceptance mm-hmm yeah sure I think oh that feels good huh yeah, yeah. M- maybe I need to give this to me, and maybe I need to give this to others. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And you're out there teaching, not rehab, but you're teaching other things. Well, I do teach different things. I just finished teaching a tarot class at the church where I was, and before that, a thing that was called Seven Steps to Practical Occultism, mm. which sounds like a high-flown thing, but, you know, it's teaching people to be more incisive in their thinking Mm -hmm. processes because Mm -hmm. most of the things that come to us well i'd say all things that come to us have to have been a thought before they become a reality and so the more clearly you can understand what you want then the likelier you are to bring it to yourself Mm -hmm. so you're talking about manifestation I am. Because a lot of people just wait for things to come to them, and they don't think that they can do anything about helping them to happen. That's right. Partly, we have to take responsibility for what we want in our world, and maybe sometimes we have to take responsibility for some things that we don't want in our world and get those things, well, change your mind, change your plan. Yeah, and sometimes knowing what we want comes out of knowing what we don't want. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I don't know that people are always learning from it. 
sometimes people are just knowing what they don't want and they're complaining, but they're not realizing that it's actually a major stepping stone to knowing what we want. Well, until we do, if we're in negative land, then we just bring Mm -hmm. more misery and unhappiness to ourselves. That's right. And And still, of course... (laughs) taking classes too because you know as long as we're breathing we're working on personal growth so what are you doing my yoga (laughs) i know you go out walking and oh yes i like to walk right now i have to remind myself that i like to walk because in this hot and humid weather it's not a very enticing thought but I can go to the mall and walk, and I do with a friend before going to Weight Watchers each week. And I know that dogs are very important to you. Oh, dogs are such a joy to have. And my sweet current guide dog, Camry, is just, oh, she is such a pitcher. She just goes and pitches for pets all the time. (laughs) But she is a sweet, sweet dog and and an excellent worker. Because I love having a guide so much, I've always found advocacy to be a pleasure. And you know, before I went to get a dog, I used to think, man, I just would not want to put up with people not wanting my dog. I just don't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But then Roland, when he was um, about 23, he decided to go get a guide dog. And I thought, you know what? I've been a good cane traveler all of my life, but... Um, I think I'd like I like animals I, I like dogs and I think I'll go see what it would be like mm-hmm. and so I did and you know Rusty my first guide opened my heart in such a way I didn't even know that it wasn't open but that was such a joy to have him and I just I have I will always, unless for some reason it would, God forbid, it would be physically impossible, I will always have a dog. Well, actually, when Roland was growing up, people, you know how people lump all blind folks together. Why don't, why don't you read Braille, some people mm-hmm. that don't, which I, I do love reading Braille, but never mind. And why don't you have a dog? And I used to say, God, I can't even make my kid mind what I want with something else to make mine. <laughs> I was playing at Finnegan's at the time, this Irish pub that I played at for 23 years. And I could just see that gig going bye-bye if I asked to have a whole month off. And then I went and I said to the proprietress, Ellen, I need to talk to you. I had decided to go get a guide dog. And if she would allow this, I, I had somebody lined up to play for me. She said, oh, Nancy, I really don't see why you hadn't already gone and gotten one. Oh my, she was always an enthusiastic person trying to help me to raise money for the guide dog schools. She would always let me have Finnegan's to entice people in and talk to them. I would have a fundraising night sometimes. Ellen herself was a generous supporter. I actually raised enough to sponsor 
a guide at Southeastern, and I named it Finnegan. Any cats or other animals? Oh, yeah. We got other cats are blue and blackberry and midnight. And I like like to tell people that I've got an iPhone and a blackberry. You sweetheart, me, you son of a bitch. Thank you, Nancy.